shit, shit, shit show. It's a fucking shit show. Shit well, welcome back to Shit Show Saturday, and we have Shit Show Val. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> so, okay, so I've been sober for almost 15 years. So you've known me for 14 years. Yes. From when you were a baby. I was a little You were a baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, except for that I was like dating a fucking old man. Yes, you were. Mm-hmm. But we still loved you anyway. <laughs> yeah, for anybody who hasn't listened to that episode, the first person that I dated in sobriety, the age difference between us was more than my age. Yes. <laughs> but how was the, how big of the age difference was between you and the first guy that you were with? 17 years my senior okay so yeah it's a common thing with some of us I think some of us are always looking for a daddy figure maybe I don't know (laughs) I have no idea but it's a it's there's a there's a lot of that that happens in the rooms how long have you been Mm -hmm. sober now um 18 and a half years Mm -hmm. first question song what song do you want played when you walk into a room uh staying alive nice (laughs) by the Bee Gees (laughs) I like it I love that (laughs) you don't want it to what's the song that I um oh you should be dancing when it's what you doing in your yeah that's another (laughs) that's another one (laughs) yeah okay Mm -hmm. carbohydrate (laughs) that fucking bread from the bread and board the other night Oh my gosh, that was so good. No, I would call a parlor donut. What's that? Would be my, it's that uh, cronut, like a croissant donut. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, if I were going to splurge, it'd be right there on a carb. Where'd you get mm-hmm. it? Parlor donuts right here in Jack's oh, Beach. Oh. There's one in Mandarin too. Oh shit, I'll have to go check it out. Where is it in Mandarin? Yeah. Same as I? Yep, it's on State okay. Road 13. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, cheese. Uh, I'm probably one of your only persons that doesn't eat cheese. I know, but um, what, but what if you did eat cheese? Bursin, I love a good bursin. Bursin, mm-hmm, that's bursin. good. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And then condiment, hot sauce, <gasps> salsa. I love a good um. What's that really spicy sauce? It's sriracha. That, uh, sriracha. I love a good sriracha. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So when did you realize that you were an adult child? Um, I hate to admit it, but probably you, <laughs> you introduced me to it. I mean, into the reality of it. I think I knew it way back when I started Al-Anon, but I didn't know all the words and I didn't really have that understanding until I started listening to you and I put it all together. So it's taken me a long time and, but you really gave me that whole melting effect of, uh, this is it. This is really it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I've never, I've listened to your, your, every single one of your podcasts and I, I've never done, I went to like three ACA meetings, but I couldn't, I wasn't ready. Mm-hmm. Wasn't ready. It didn't resonate until you. Well, you're welcome. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yes. Oh gosh, I've always thanked you <laughs> and encouraged you because you've saved my life. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Talk about emotional bottoms that you've had in sobriety. 
my first emotional bottom was um, I had to go to jail. And I was sober. I was a year and a half sober, went to jail. That was my biggest emotional bottom. When you uh, got arrested, you mm-hmm. you weren't sober then, right? Like you got arrested and then you started going to AA? No, I oh. had gotten sober and then I got arrested. Okay. Yeah, I turned myself in once I got sober. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the other, the other link with that emotional bottom was having to, the realization that I could not hold on to my kids to help me. Uh, I, none of my possessions were going to save me. None of my relationships were going to save me. And I had to just let everything go. All of my worldly life had to just be moved out of my way. And that was a big emotional bottom. My next emotional bottom was living with that man who was 17 years my senior and it is a miracle that I did not drink over that because he was addicted to porn Mm. and I got so emotionally sick Mm. from that Mm. I was so accepting of that behavior in my life and it made me so emotionally sick because I just took whatever I just took whatever, right? Anything that I thought I I deserved, I would accept that. Mm. That was a big emotional bottom. Mm -hmm. How did that end up? How did that relationship end end up ending? Um, I got, I was there for two years. Wow. uh, Living with him for two years. And it ended, I got this note from him. And I was so disturbed internally. Andrea, I was so disturbed internally that I started uh, controlling. And then there was this one point where I was so disgusted with my whole self uh, and my beha- and just my life, where I had gotten. I thought, how did I get here? How did I get here? I'm sober. And mm. I was working and trying to get my life back in order, but I had no self esteem, no self worth. Um, so uh, he gave, I had, I had was trying to lash out at him verbally and emotionally. And I think he thought I was going to hit him. Mm. And at that point he said, you got to leave. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that was the best thing that could have ever happened to me. Okay. So then what would be the next one? The next, but um, the one time another emotional bottom right after this had all happened and I had to move out, I was living with uh, my oldest daughter and I had an emotional bottom. This is a tough one. My youngest daughter, Lauren was 16. And because I had just gone through this whole yuckiness of myself, low self-esteem, low self-worth, this whole being putting myself through that whole porn addiction thing that he had Mm -hmm. and witnessing it all. And I got so yucky within myself and my daughter, Lauren was, um, she had done something when she was at work and I didn't believe her. And I hit her, hit her and hit her Mm. in the car. And, um, Mm. You know, just having those regrets, that was an emotional bottom. 
And I think I knew way back then that I was a sick child. I was reliving mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. everything that my mom had done to me. I literally was reliving it. Um, and, and oh my God. And you know, that's the daughter that, that died. So, you know, you just think, how could I have gotten here? Um, I remember my ex-husband said to me, because, you know, she obviously was living with him. I was not even allowed to have custody of her at that time. But he said to me, if you ever lay a hand on either one of these kids again, I will make sure you stay in jail. Mm. It's taken years for that shame to go to really be worked on. It really has. What did the amends process look like as far in conversations with her specifically about that look like? Uh, I had to, first of all, it took her a few days before she would even talk to me. But she was the one who was the most loving, Mm. the most forgiving. Mm -hmm. She ended up being one of us Mm -hmm. in terms of drinking. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, And so her and I had that connection. So she was very forgiving. I had to make a personal amends to her and uh, really tell her how wrong I was with any kind of physical, you know, how wrong it was to have any kind of physical contact like that. Um, And that, you know, I was really going to seek help. And I really did after that, it, it, she ended up living with me when she turned 18. Um, and um, so we did reconcile and really she became more self-supporting, more responsible, more, a better human, a better human than I was. Because um, her and I had to really, we all had to grow up together. I had to grow up with my kids. I was about their maturity level, you know. Uh, pretty sad, but I had to grow up. And so it just took a long period. And, you know, I've always said this in my story ever since she's died that, you know, I was not finished making a personal amends to her and a living amends to her. Mm-hmm. I really wish I could have done more and I could not. How did that experience change you? And so just, I mean, obviously you can talk about as much detail as you want, but how old was she? Early 20s? Which part? When I when hit she her? passed away? No. Oh, okay. So she lived, she passed away at the age of 24. Okay. Mm -hmm. And um, Mm. so for a couple of years before, um, you know, I noticed obviously her drinking had increased, but she was very, you know, high functioning. That's why I really poured myself into Al-Anon because I would prefer to have a relationship with her than mm-hmm. to not have a relationship her with mm-hmm. her. Right. And I also didn't want to judge her and, and get so angry with her either. So Al-Anon really helped me have a really good relationship with her. But I did not know, I did not know that she was taking Adderall. Mm-hmm. And the Adderall and the monster drinks combined with her alcohol and her very t- low weight really tiny she was tiny and she did not you know I did not know that the Adderall would um, shut down her organs 
And so when she died at the age of 24, you know, I've been exposed to a lot of people in Alcoholics Anonymous and you see lots of people coming in, all these young kids and, you know, they've overdosed, 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 and they've been resuscitated, resuscitated, resuscitated. They come back to life, come back to life. And I just thought, okay, I'm going to take her to the doctor. We're going to go to the hospital. I'm going to, she'll be okay. I'll just, you know, make sure she gets herself taken care of. And when what were the symptoms, like what was going on? She had a lot of flu-like symptoms. She was sick. She couldn't breathe. And it just came on like that. Well, first of all, I did not know if it was, I did not know what was going on. I just thought it was her drinking. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was her lifestyle, you know, just, she was a workaholic. She smoked cigarettes. She didn't take care of herself. She didn't eat. She fed her dog more than she fed herself, you know? Um, and so I, she didn't live with me. She lived by herself at the beach. And so I just knew that, um, you know, something wasn't right. So she was always sick, but she would always recover. She get sick, recover, get sick, recover. And, and I didn't know the extent of the Adderall. And I knew there was one time when I went to go pick her up from the doctor's office because she, was, she wasn't feeling well. And the same doctor just gave her another prescription. Didn't even take care of her. Now, my part on that day was I should have paid attention and maybe taken her to the hospital because she really couldn't breathe. But, you know, I was trying to practice Al-Anon to allow her to ask mm-hmm. for help. Mm-hmm. Well, so, you know, it just didn't work and it just didn't work. It wasn't, I don't know. I don't know. Um, so, so I don't know if Alanon worked for me. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> seriously, I'm like, screw that shit. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> I mean, it did, it did work, but it didn't work. I know right? what you mean that that way didn't work and the way it was meant to be so I just thought she was going to get well I really did Mm. and when her her heart blew out I was just like what I was I was shocked I was shocked so that's what happened Mm -hmm. there's much more to it but it's like it seems like such an insurmountable thing to recover from how long do you feel like you were in a, in a black hole? When she died on, um, it was Halloween night of 2017. And, um, you know, an out of order death I have heard is probably one of the worst deaths you can have mm-hmm. losses you can have. Now I have already you know, lost my mom to alcoholism. And then she died of uh, years, you know, she got, she was sober, but you know, you've lost your mom through alcoholism, right? That's a pretty significant loss, even though she was living for many years, but you still lost that time with your mom. Mm -hmm. And I had a, I lost my father because he was emotionally unavailable. And you just survive. And then, but to lose the child is, it, it took me a year, I, I, for a year, Andrea, for a year, I was so probably in shock for the first year. And 
and I was so angry with with God, my higher power, every I was just angry and I was shut off. There was no sunlight of the spirit and I was really just going through the motions. I threw myself into work and just worked. And um and then I remember um at the end of that first year I had uh thrown a poinsettia plant at my husband's windshield as he was driving down the road. We were coming from a meeting and I threw that poinsettia plant and it shattered in his car. And he said, Oh my God, you need to get some help. And, and it's been a, it's been a, um, a journey since then. I had to go into therapy and do the whole grief therapy and that uncovered a lot of adult child stuff oh my gosh so painful so painful and then um and and you know there are days where you don't ever get over it really you don't ever get over it um i just kind of get through the days um and you know the, the 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 god of my understanding has put beautiful humans in my life that are all around her age and um you know i couldn't have done that on my own and just very sweet nurturing people and um that to me is like wow it's kind of like, you know, people like to look at cardinals because they remind them of their loved ones. Well, I'm fortunate. I don't have to look at cardinals. I mean, God sends <laughs> me these humans. <laughs> and, and, and you know, you just can't make that shit up, you know? And uh, I love that. That's been a big healing part for me. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they kind of let me love them. And then I let them, I let them into my life. And, um, you know, I, I've practiced on many, many women. It's just really sweet. I'm never going to get her back. But I can, little pieces about her, I can find in other people. Yeah. And there's some days really where you just kind of go through the days where you're just trying to smell her to see if you can find her smell. Um, or, you know, I she used to drive a um, a very specific little black um, IS three hundred and fifty Lexus, and it had these <laughs> had these blacked out windows, man. The limousine tint windows. Mm -hmm, I'm mm -hmm. sure she smoked pot while she was driving down the road but she would drink and drive up and down you know the highway and so she didn't want anybody pulling her over but um but I every <laughs> once in a while I'll see these she was so like me I love that's what I loved about her she was just so like a mini me and um and so every once in a while I'll see a car and to me that's better than a cardinal <laughs> you know so that's probably how I get through the days for the most part. Yeah. That's sweet. Mm -hmm. It is sweet.
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. So let's get back to the fun stuff of your childhood. Okay. Now that we got all that <laughs> uplifting shit out of the way. Oh, tell. What do you want to know? What do you want to tell me? <clears throat> so grew up with the alcoholic mother and she was so young when she got pregnant and got married. Um, are you the oldest uh, or is she, your brother? No, your brother's older than you. My brother's the oldest. And my mom was a poor little Mexican woman in San Antonio, Texas. And she married this white guy who she thought was going to save her. Actually, she got pregnant when she was 16. She thought this guy was going to save her. Was she already in? When, how old was she when she came to the U.S.? Oh, no. she They were born oh, and raised okay, here. Okay. But they're, you know, Hispanic from San Antonio. Uh -huh. Um, it was like her great grandmother that immigrated from Mexico. Okay. So, um, her mom, her dad was an alcoholic and he died at the age of like 52. He was a young drunk and died young. And so her mother was an alcoholic and beat my mom, uh, was very jealous of my mother. And, um, so my mom got pregnant with my, with my father um with my older brother by my dad and um and then she had both of us and we we're three years apart and then apparently my real dad beat my mom right he was not an alcoholic by the way never did drink but he was an emotionally sick person himself but he would hit my mom and I learned this from my uncle and um um so that's what happened with them and how old were you when got, they got divorced? Oh God, I was like two or three years old. Do you have any young. memories of that or no? No, hmm. none. And then my mom, because she was an alcoholic and trying to survive and raise her two kids, um, ended up hooking up. And back in the seventies, I was born in 66. So like 1970, she hooks up with this guy coming back from Vietnam. So he, my, my stepdad married a drunk woman and, um, stepdad married a drunk woman. <laughs> yeah. And, and then, you know, she stayed drunk for many years and it was so funny. My, I would, my brother was just like, Oh my God, my crazy mom. And I would, I would try to save my mom when she would park in the, in the in front of the house, she'd miss the whole driveway. And then I, you know, 12 or 13 years old, I would go move the car out of the front yard and put it in the driveway. And I'd be her designated driver at 12 and 13 years old and go get her her beer and drive her to go get her her beer. And I learned to steal mm. at a young age from her because I could, I needed to survive. And she never mm. gave us money. And, um, but we, we just had a crazy, crazy childhood. And it's only been <clears throat> recently, Andrea, where my brother and I, my brother's 60 now and I'll be 57, where, where we just now began to talk about our childhood. I mean, we, you can't, you're just, 
get you, I moved as far away from Texas as I could, and he moved as far away from Texas as he could, and neither one of us went back, except to bury them them people. <laughs> and um, but we both came from we all came from alcoholic families, um, and then you know my parent, my stepdad and mom, um, when 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 I was fifteen. My mom had a second whole life. She had my sister who her and I are 15 years apart and I have a brother who's 20 years difference for me. Wow. And so I was, ma- I was mad at her and resentful at her because I said, you can't even take care of us. Why would you have more kids? And so, um, and so that was that. And we didn't move around or anything. We, they actually, they, you know, they both died in that same house where we lived and were raised and, and, um, but I got the heck out of there and I learned to lie, cheat and steal at a very young age because it was just part of the survival. How do you survive? You know, you have an alcoholic mom. You need my brother raised me, by the way, my brother had the full responsibility to raise me and help me. And, um, and oh my gosh, that poor guy, he never had a shot at a childhood. And, um, so that's how we were raised. That's, like a little pack of wolves. <laughs> Did he ever have a relationship with your dad? No, we have both. I mean, we, he tried, I tried, um, and the guy was there, but I feel so bad for him because he's just emotionally absent. He had some issues with his mother. My dad had some mommy issues, real significant mom issues. And, um, you know, my, my dad's family was so crazy, but I thought they were normal. My mom thought they were the Beaver Cleaver family, but my grandmother was having a, an affair with the family priest. Ooh. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> so anyway, I'm telling you, I mean, you, we're talking, we're talking crazy shit, right? Things you don't tell anybody, but now it's like, I tell everybody. <laughs> I got no, no inhibitions about telling anybody any of this stuff because I'm, I'm, I, I need to heal from it. Hell yes. Those when family start- secrets were crazy. Mm-hmm. What, what were you when, did you, when did you really start drinking as a teenager? Um, I did try it as a teenager, but I really tried to control it because I was taking care of my mom as a teenager. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I was always embarrassed about my mom. So I never want anybody to see her. Uh, and so I go to college. Um, Where'd you go to school? I started out at Incarnate Word in San Antonio and I could not, my drinking was way in the way. Um, ended up going to Old Dominion in Virginia cause I joined the Navy. Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. I had to get out of there, had to get out of there. I met a recruiter. He said, I'm going to show you the world. I did not see the world. I saw Chesapeake Bay. <laughs> I was like, you tied me to the damn pier. <laughs> and so we, I did that. And, um, that's, and that's how you ended up in Jacksonville. Then, yeah, when I got to the Navy, boy, oh boy, they taught me to drink like uh-huh. sailors. So I was a smoking, drinking female in the Navy, uh, living it up. And, and that's when the drinking progressed. And then I got out of the Navy. I, got, I married this guy I got pregnant by in the Navy because he drank fabulously just like I did. 
And um, he was so opposite of me. I just needed somebody to connect with. And long the short of it, we he we I got out of the Navy. We got to Jacksonville, and my kids were born here in Jacksonville. At um, and <clears throat> I'll tell you what, it was it was the craziest thing. My drinking really started more after my second child because I did not know how to raise kids. I was terrified of having kids. My mother did not know how to raise me. I had I was just in complete full blown fear, and I drank more. So my drinking really set off. I was about twenty six years old. So from about I would say maybe twenty two, right before I got had got I got pregnant at twenty four with Courtney, and um, I was had already gotten my oh, education, my degree, finished my degree, and I had to start drinking because I did not know how to do any of that life. And, um, but I knew how to drink because I saw my mom drink. And, um, and so I drank from the age of what my mid twenties to the time I was 38 when I finally got sober, I was sober at 38. And what did your drinking look like at the end? Um, lots of wine, lots of, um, you know, lots of margaritas by the pitcher. (laughs) And I would drink you know, lots of Bloody Marys, because I thought if it was healthy, it'd be healthier for me. Oh, yeah, tomato juice, Bloody Marys. Right? Mm-hmm. And so I would drink so that it wouldn't look like I was drinking a lot, right? Because I refused to be anything like my mother. My mom drank a lot of beer. She could drink a case a night. Um, and I just said, I don't need to drink beer. I'll just drink everything else. So, you know, at the end, it was just a lot of wine bottles. Mm-hmm. You were di- when did you get divorced. I got divorced in 20, 2000, year 2000. Okay. The millennial. <laughs> Actually, yeah, April 15th of 2000, I got divorced. And I just did it right on a decision. I was seven years married and I said, I went to him and I said, Are you happy? He said, No. I said, I'm not either. We're kind of like brother and sister. So let's get a divorce. And I ruined my girl's life. At that divorce, just set my kids off in a whole nother direction of, you know, sadness, broke their family up. It was just very sad. I did not realize that all my decisions were terrible. All my adult child decisions were so screwed up. They were just screwed up. Yeah, Um, but you should, I mean, but like you shouldn't have stayed married to them. Andrea, I wasn't even... I, I never even put in what, not never, one single bit of work. No, yeah. uh-uh. no. Mm-mm. But would he have? I just, he, he was a really good guy. Really good guy. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm telling you, me in the picture anywhere was like, I was a shit show before you came up with shit show, right? Weren't we all? <laughs> weren't we all shit shows? Yeah, I was. I was making one bad decision, one bad decision after another. Mm-hmm. from a very young age what does your relationship look like with him now with who your ex-husband oh um he's remarried and he does not talk to me at all really no Mm-mm. even when my daughter lauren died he came here for the funeral he only talked to my current husband really mm-hmm. yeah 
So we do, we do leave a lot of wreckage, damage people. We do damage people. Yeah, no doubt. So talk about what some of the, what were some of the adult child stuff that came up when you started going to therapy? Um, my decision-making, bad decisions, um, lots of guilt, lots of guilt with my kids, how I raised them. Um, a lot of, um, a lot of, uh, pride came up where I didn't need to ask for help because I didn't trust any adults. Um, that was Mm -hmm. a big one. Mm-hmm. I never trusted anybody in authority. Um, and I still don't. <laughs> I mean, that's a real thing. It just doesn't go away, mm-hmm. you know? Um, because, you know, every adult person in my life lied to me mm-hmm. over and over and over again. So why well, would you? Trust? Exactly. Yeah. So a lot of that stuff came out in therapy. Um, all of my unmanageability. I, I really got a good look at the unmanageability. Um, really just my inability. I could never admit that I was afraid to parent. Mm. That was a tough one. Mm-hmm. I, I, what came out in therapy too was my my uh, inability to get help earlier on. Um, you know, I... I I did not know. I did not know how to put a definition on what was wrong with me. You know, I just couldn't. Every relationship was like oh, horrible. And and even to this day, still, I can look across the room and go, I don't know why they just don't like me. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe not everybody's going to like you on that one day. But, um, you know, that stuff never goes away either. Mm-hmm. you know what are three things that you like about yourself I like my uh energy I have mm-hmm. a lot of energy sure do uh-huh um I like the fact that my hair is so natural at my age 56 I do not color my hair that's a miracle wow <laughs> and then <laughs> hey yeah seriously it's a thing and then I like that I can lift weights every morning when I do my workout. God, Val, there's other things about you. Weights. There's other things about <laughs> you that are good. What the fuck? <laughs> You're like, I like your some... fingernails. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Lifting okay. weights is cool for me. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah, I want to be healthy. <laughs> okay yeah Um, I'm not naturally naturally thin and tall like you sister (laughs) (laughs) I gotta work on my guns I gotta work on my guns well oh (laughs) that's like about as good as the woman last week who said when I asked her what she liked about she says I like that I like song lyrics (laughs) (laughs) that's kind of cool she probably was a a, a fan of name that tune growing up hell yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah exactly yeah um okay what's the hope dream for the future um mm, okay as an adult child that's a hard question I don't care where you are in your life or journey that's a hard stinking question I'm just trying to get to the next morning 
someday. Seriously. Yeah. Okay. Hope and a dream. Um, well, I'm not going down on a submersible to go see the Titanic. So <laughs> Cross that one off the list. <laughs> <laughs> um, hope and a dream. Um, dang, Andrea. Come on. Give me a break. I know. Let me think. Let me think for a second. Hope and a dream. Do you have like a, like a trip that you want to go on? No. <laughs> I I get to travel with Steve all the time. Yeah, but I will tell you a cool place for me would be I love going back. Go I want to go back to a place called Cartagena, Colombia. You're obsessed. It is the coolest place. Yeah. Well, it's yeah, and you got to stay like in a huge, didn't you get to stay in like a huge villa? In a resort, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was really cool. I mean, that's just one of them. Is that your yeah, favorite place that you've been with Steve? No, no. Mm -mm. It was what just was your cool. favorite. <clears throat> Machu Picchu was pretty cool. Um, going to Singapore and Thailand was pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, we've traveled to some pretty cool places. I know you have. You left. Yeah. You picked yeah. a good one. Yeah, it, it is. It is cool. Um, and um so yeah, we'll see what happens with all that travel. Well, I'm so grateful I, you, for you. Oh, I'm so grateful for you. I tell you all the time. Every time I could get text and you just ghost me after I texted you, I said, I don't care if she gets my text. You're right. No, I'm just all kidding right. with you. When you were living in San Francisco, yes, I would send you messages. And if you never texted me back, I didn't care. I was like, she's she got a life. I don't know what's going on with her. I don't care. I just want her to know I'm just loving this stuff. It's been so good. So and now good. I don't have a life, so I text you back. <laughs> I don't. Hey, now you're so close. We can go I do know. yoga together. We can I go to know. yoga. Be yogis. Yes, we can live life. I just together. want to That'll hang out fun. with you on your cheat days. <laughs> When's your next go to cheat bread? day? We're going to bread and board. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.